My brother is only 14 months younger than me. For the first 10 years of my life, we beat the shit out of each other every single day. Our little sister was always ready to call the ambulance or throw a bucket of cold water on us as we fought for hours. Afterwards, we would watch Gunsmoke stretched out on the living room floor, chins in our hands, like wild animals that had been tamed for an hour. There was a huge tree next to the farmhouse. It had knots and roots running along the ground, and we would try to make poison in these little holes that were there. Shit and pee and wild berries and bits of grass would end up in them, not knowing who or what would eat the poison and surely die. I threw a rope over one of its branches one summer and told my brother I would pull him up. He agreed, but when he was a good ten feet off the ground, I pretended to let the rope slip through my hands. He came down hard and hit his head on the ground. We had a good laugh. Half an hour later, I slapped his back, and his t-shirt was soaking wet with blood. He'd hit a rock, and he just could not feel it. My parents drove us to the emergency room, and he got six stitches in the back of his head. But the thing is, he never told them how it happened. Maybe it was something he could hold over me, insurance for some day in the future. Or maybe he simply could not betray me. It wasn't in him. After I turned 13, we went our separate ways and never fought again. Sometimes we did things together, Sometimes we did not speak for months, but an unspoken understanding grew over time that we are two sides of one coin, that six words can explain two years, and that we would never be strangers like so many other members of our family. When he was a young man, he lived through a personal tragedy he had something of a psychotic break, and he did some self-harm. And I happened to be home from film school shooting a documentary when most of this happened. I remember him leaning into my bedroom in the middle of the night. Someday, I'll tell you all about this, he said in a calm voice, as if I was the only person in the world that could understand him. To me, he was never crazy. He was just in pain. He was just trying to rebalance his little universe. And yes, he made some terrible decisions. He forever changed the path his life would take. But it was because he hurt so much. Because he suffered a terrible loss. And there were no answers for him.
I'm Marco, and this is Songbird. In this episode, we're talking about Kodachrome Shangri-La, track 10 from Heaven Get Behind Me. This song ended up being the official single and the first track from the album people heard. And, you know, when it was in the demo stage, I hardly felt like it belonged next to the other songs. It was a bit of an afterthought. And if you ask me to explain the song in any simple terms, beyond the fact that there were these two brothers in it, I could just as well be speaking Acadian. But let's try. Some songs are clearly about something, an experience or a very clear-cut narrative with characters you can name. They're about a divorce or someone dying. It's about your first love or missing home, a birthday, a parade, a protest, a war. And then there are the songs that are just a, a messy bunch of feathers and where the bird went, I don't freaking know. But damn if they don't work somehow. A lot of songwriters talk about just getting out of the way and letting the song speak through them. You're just the messenger. You're just a human megaphone amplifying this melody, these words that somehow already exist all on their own. Like Frankenstein and the monster he created, they are dead. They're just random parts sewn together and very messy and they're ready to fall apart. But God forbid you pull them all together, stick them out in the open during a thunderstorm, and they get hit by lightning. And then they are staring back at you, alive. I'll try to paint a picture of the various fragments that came together in this. First, I was thinking a lot about the film Network, and I'm sure you know the famous line, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. It was written by the very, very great Patty Chayefsky. And yes, of course, this will be in the show notes. It's one of those classic 70s films. It was directed by Sidney Lumet, and it just captured the hypocrisy and the hysteria and the bullshit and the heart of these people and maybe everyone. The main character is an aging news anchor, and he's so disgusted with the state of the world that he announces on air that he's going to kill himself on live TV. So, yeah, you can imagine who would benefit from this and the ratings and the hype, and will he really do it? It puts all of these desperate, manipulative people under a microscope, and the whole film has this kind of electric hum to it. It's like a buzzing in your ears. This film is so full of tension and dread and honesty. And I think I just wanted to write a song like that. And in a perfect world, you would use those same words to describe it. So I found these two brothers, and one is making some pretty dangerous choices, and the other one understands why, and he's just trying to keep him from going completely off the rails. And, and he's in this thing with him. There's a gun hidden under a coat. And there are these TV cameras. 
the six o'clock news. Then the lyrics jump to a later time. And we understand that the brother that was taking all these risks, he's gone. And he asked to be remembered in a few specific ways. To always drive on this one street on the way home. And to always have firecrackers on the anniversary of some significant day. So there's loss and nostalgia. And then we have this chorus, or it might be a refrain. I remember his face that night. He asked me, will I ever see Shangri-La? All right, so how the hell did I get that? I think I just wanted this younger brother to be so innocent. And that might explain why he's kind of nuts. He just didn't know what the world was really like. And he still believed in these magical places. Like he still believed in Santa Claus. Shangri-La is basically Santa for adults. It's a hidden paradise where everyone is happy. It's described as heaven on earth. And there's palm trees, there's island girls, there's clear blue water. And then there's maybe my favorite lyric from the entire album. He only sang other people's songs. And there ain't no more Kodachrome. I don't know if any of you know the poem, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. It's by T.S. Eliot. Well, maybe you don't know the name, but there's a lot of famous lines from it. The first one I always think of is, um, I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. And then there's another part. I have seen the moment of my greatness flicker, and I have seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker. And in short, I was afraid. It's a hell of a piece of writing. It's about a man looking back on his life and how he understands that he lived in quiet desperation. And again, with such pleasure, this will be in the show notes, I promise. You know, if I ever start doing exclusive episodes, which just might happen, I'd love to do a full reading of this one for that closed group. So anyway, I think I cooked up my own version of that line, measuring out my life with coffee spoons. And maybe this talks about me personally to always sing other people's songs, not my own. Because you see, I was a sideman for 20 years. I was very content to play that tenor sax made in Paris and never, ever say a word. I played other people's music. And as for the, there ain't no more Kodachrome, well, that was a line from a song I wrote some years before. It's about a father estranged from his children. It just never really came together. So I pirated this line from that one. And now this one's easy. Kodachrome was the most beautiful film stock ever made. It was nostalgia and innocence. It was fog and shadow. Dusty street corners, fast-moving trains. It was JFK and Jackie O. And then this thing we photographers loved so much, this thing we took for granted, one day they stopped making it. It just went away, and it never came back. You don't know what you've got until it's gone. Hopefully, you appreciated it when you could, or maybe you squandered it, and you feel like hell. And that's all wrapped up in that line. There ain't no more Kodachrome. All right, let's get into the demos on this one. It definitely went through some changes. Here's a bit of the first one. (laughs) 
face that night He asked me will I ever see Shangri-La Hey Mr. Bello what's that under your coat One down and six to go. I'm in a wonderful open tuning on this one. It's a John Fahey tuning. It's the one he used on Red Pony. And yes, this will be in the show notes. The words came first, and then this hammer on, hammer off. It's a technique of shifting on and off of chords. These half steps towards and away something. And the phrasing was not so good. And I was barely even singing the song at times. I just wasn't ready to. Well, not yet. I was playing the guitar and I was singing around it when I actually needed to just sing and play the guitar around the voice. I needed to somehow flip that relationship. Here's some of the second demo. The phrasing is still kind of a hot mess, but the chords are really starting to find a home. Phrasing, it's just not landing. It's not storytelling yet. It's just kind of reacting to the music. So I had to dig deep and I had to paint some mental pictures of this imaginary movie with these two brothers police sirens, wet streets, and reflections. There's a barn on fire, and the horses are running. And then I got to this. Hey, little brother, 
Now it finally starts to work. As much as songwriting sounds like alchemy or turning imaginary birds into lyrics, it's also about just hanging in there, about not giving up, and trying to look at it from a fresh perspective. Sisyphus rolled that rock up the hill every freaking day, and he worked his ass off. So, yeah, we should respect him. But in the same breath, I'd say that he learned very little. He needed some fresh perspectives that he never got. So you listen. And as much as you just want to grind and hustle and fight your way through, you also need to breathe. Just take a long walk. Keep your eyes and your ears open and try it one more time. But like a child like you're singing this song for the very first time. Production-wise, I just felt like this was a bittersweet and personal song when I was getting ready to record it. And you know, it just got big. I think I was just getting more confident with my singing. And yeah, it hit pretty close to home. And maybe those chords and that wonderful open tuning, I mean, they were really thick and deep. And maybe I was just reacting to that. But I laid down the voice and the acoustic guitar, as always, on one mic no headphones, on a sunny and quiet afternoon with the crows outside the windows. And it just felt epic. I mean, accidentally. So I went about building out the rest of the track. I pulled out my big hollow body Gretsch Electromatic. I did these deep, warm swells that bring us into the chorus. And they're very dark and they're kind of full of overtones. They just kind of slink around. And then I was like, shit. This song almost has a beat. So I brought in two drum samples, a bass drum and a snare, and I played them very sparsely. And I put tons of these vintage audio plugins on them, Abbey Road compressors and EQs and reverb. And then I did some sporadic bits of harmony on the voice. Well, it's two brothers. That was an easy one to get to. And then I just had to do this sound design of old cowboy and Indian TV shows at the beginning, at the end, because that's what my brother and I watched. It was Gunsmoke after our daily fight. Okay, let's hear the final version. I remember his face that night He asked me Will I ever see Shangri-La 
Hey, little brother, what's that under your coat? One down and six to go. Set it all on fire That's what they said on Channel 2 Take a left on Mikado for me Frankenstein was the name of the doctor Monster had no name I ain't asking To be forgiven Cause we Did nothing wrong Fucking run. Well, I said, your apple Lucifer. No, I Sometimes 
you fall ass backwards into something that just works. And you facilitate. You carefully brush the dust from those dinosaur bones until the whole creature is revealed. I was gentle with this one. And I was rewarded for that. You know, Cindy Sherman began her career taking pictures that were still frames from imaginary films. These caught black and white moments of a mysterious woman glimpsed in a bathroom mirror or on a motel bed. And you had to imagine the story and what got her there. I think I tripped into that position on this one, cooking up a film that was never made and glimpsing these great moments from it with the lyrics, the big moments and the small ones, the wide establishing shot from a crane slowly drifting into the catastrophe and the close-up of the young man full of wonder and awe as the lights go out. And then I just underscored that film. It was all very intuitive. All I did was listen to what could go there. Nothing was forced. There was no banging my head against the wall. No blood, no tears. Just quiet, joyous making. I wish the exact same experience for all of you. Take a left on Mercado for me. Frankenstein was the name of the doctor. The monster had no name. I ain't asking to be forgiven. Because we did nothing wrong. songbirds. This is normally the part where I tell people where they can find us. But you know, let's add a few important notes this time. First of all, this song has a hell of a music video, and I think we're going to have a standalone liner notes style episode dedicated to the music videos for this album. But I do want you to know that it's there on songbirdpodcast.com in the show notes. Second, I'm going to put the full lyrics to these songs in the show notes. Not just for this episode, but for all the previous ones too. Especially for our foreign listeners who speak English as a second language. This will be a great way for you to figure out what the hell I'm saying a lot of the time. Yes, we're on all your favorite podcast platforms and the lesser known ones like Ghana and Savin. Or you can just go to songbirdpodcast.com. And say it with me. That's the only place that the show notes are. And we've got a library on this one, which makes me very happy. If you'd like to listen to this track or buy the album, we're available on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. All you have to do is search for Martin Ruby, that's the band name, or Heaven Get Behind Me, and you'll find us. Let's give a shout out to Bunky Hunt of Whistlepig Records, my new musical home, and he's one of our faithful listeners. 
Next time on Songbird, Dog Days, Salad Days, and 72 Virgins. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.